And good morning again. Good to see everybody out this morning. Good to be here with you. Let's see here. Children's Church this morning looks like uh, Miss Kim Wilson and David Angie have got that. So 12 and under. We'll head over for Children's Church. Good looking crew coming to you today looks like. And as they're heading over for that, if you want to mark number 358, 358, where he leads me. We'll use that hymn as our hymn of invitation this morning. Certainly good to be here. Good to see everybody out. If you're logging into Facebook or on to YouTube later, certainly good to have you here with us as well. Uh, one announcement I did fail to make earlier this morning, there will be no as normal for uh, Memorial and Labor Day weekends. We do not have evening services because so many people have family and reunions and such. So there will be no evening services tonight. Uh, do want to invite everyone again to come out while I've got your attention here on Facebook and YouTube. We're having revival and homecoming starting next Sunday uh, with a meal after services on Sunday and revival each night at 7 p.m. And we would like to invite each and every one of you to come out for that every night if you can and, and certainly anytime otherwise. It's always a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you. Good to see you out. We've got a few visitors this morning. Good to have you with us. Uh, hope you can be back with us at any time that you are able. And speaking about revival, it is obviously just around the corner. And here we are, you know, at Labor Day. We look at this and we think about Labor Day. To me, it's the beginning, kind of the, the firing, the shot over the bow of the holiday season as it begins to come up because uh, uh, August went by really quick, and before we know it, uh, we'll be looking at the end of October, celebrating uh, uh, Thanksgiving, and making preparations for the birth, uh, celebration of our birth, uh, or of our Savior, Jesus. So today kind of starts that, this weekend. We, we look at that, it's the meteorological fall has started, which we have those decorations, and, and many of you out there are, are looking forward to that. Uh, as well. Pumpkin spice stuff has gone on sale everywhere. I know that's a, a fact. So that tells us it's, it's getting close to fall. Revival tells us it's getting close to fall. So I want to turn that, our focus, on to revival this morning. Uh, plans are all made. Speakers lined up. Doug Martin, I look forward to hearing him speak. I always enjoy hearing Doug speak. Church is ready. Looks great. Uh, everything is set and ready to go for revival. Now my question is to ask, are you ready for revival? Are you ready to come to church to hear preaching, to be revived, to make commitments or to straighten up things? Have you made plans to attend as many services as possible? And I'm just asking you these questions. You're going to be the one to answer those yourself. But uh, those are things that we need to think about. Now, unfortunately, some of you have already decided that it's not really that important. You don't need to be revived. Revival is something for other people, just not me. Uh, this morning, I want to look at the dangers of being unrevived. And uh, that's exactly the, uh, the reaction the devil wants from each of us, is to be unrevived as well. So we're going to look at several scriptures this morning, and we're just going to go over a few things about the dangers of this, of being unrevived. Uh, first, if you will, turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, where we will begin. 
Acts chapter 2, 47. This is at the end of uh, really the day of Pentecost, the, the first great day of the church, uh, all the people being added to the church. And that's what I want us to look at. The first thing is, is uh, unrevived could keep you out of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, Luke records that the, this group of new believers was praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved or was being saved, as some of your translations may say. So people were accepting Christ, changing their lives, being added to the church, the body, the body of Christ. The devil wants to keep every person out of church. The devil wants, his goal is to keep each person from becoming a Christian. But he wants to keep Christians out of the church as well. And we're going to look at some of those things today. Because while you're out of the church unsaved, if you've never accepted Christ and you don't come to church, then how will you hear the, the message of Christ and his salvation? and the redeeming grace that he has. And the devil knows that if you're unsaved, the moment that the Lord adds you to the church through the blood of Christ, then he's got a little tougher fight on his hands to keep you out of the church. He wants you to delay. Delay being saved. Delay, delay making a commitment to Christ. I'll do that another day, some more convenient day on the I'll call. Is one of the words, the lines from one of our hymns. I'm just thinking as we went over the prayer request and, and thought about the, the wreck that I announced. I have no idea who it was. I have no idea how many people were injured or killed in that accident. But here's something for us to consider. Each person that was involved in that accident this morning had plans for today. They had plans for today that did not include being in that auto accident and possibly losing their life. That's why the devil wants to keep us out of church. It makes us believe that we have time. And maybe we do. Maybe there's people in this room that's going to live 40, 50, 60, 70 more years. But there may be people in this church that may not see the end of the week. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to encourage you to be at church when you can and hear the gospel preached and open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and allow that to speak to your heart and if you are unsaved if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior I want you to consider that fact for today that there is no promise of tomorrow there is a promise of eternity and where we spend eternity is completely up to us whether we're in heaven with the Lord and His Son and our Savior Jesus or if we spend that eternally in hell. The devil doesn't want us to come to church where the cleansing blood of Christ is. The church, being purchased by that blood. Tony mentioned that whenever we was going through our communion. Preparation. That blood that purchased this church, that cleaned this church, that makes the sinner white as snow as we hear and sing in the Psalms. This, that's where you hear about that redeeming power of the blood is here or if you're exposed to other Christians in some other setting but you have to be exposed to the Bible and you have to be exposed to those that are touched by the Bible to hear about it and to understand it 
Because we are baptized into his death, raised a new creation. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5 says this. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And it is in and through the church that we glorify God because of that promise of the resurrection, because of the sacrifice of Christ. Where else will you hear that? Not on 95% of the TV stations that you watch that's on our televisions today. You have to hunt and hunt and hunt to find scripture. And then you have to hunt and hunt and hunt to find people that are accurately sending out scripture. Some of it is perverted in what they say, not the truth. But it's because of Christ, because of his message that we have the hope of salvation. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 says this, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. And it is through Christ that we glorify God. It is through him, through this church, this body. I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about necessarily just this congregation alone, but all congregations that come together in the name of Jesus to worship God that are covered by the blood of the Savior, we glorify God when we come together. When we come together to worship, when we come together to gather around the table and remember the sacrifice that Christ made, that glorifies God. No other organization does that. No man-made organization brings glory to God. They have their own agendas to set and to do, and I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying they don't glorify God. That's our only purpose as a church, as a body of believers, is to bring glory to God. And that's why we have to be here. The devil will keep us and try to keep us distracted or so busy that we can't come here and worship God. Do we understand what I'm saying? That's why we come to church. It's not to get a number up here on how many attended or what our offering was or how many we had in Sunday school or, or even the songs that we sing, though that's part of worship. We come to glorify God. That's it. And that's why I want to encourage everyone to be here. And it is through the, through the church, through the body, that the gospel of Christ is preached. Still in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 this time. To the intent that now unto all the principalities and powers in heaven, heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. It's our job. It's our job to make known the glory of God. In our testimonies, in the lives that we lead, where people see us on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon or wherever your congregation, whenever your elders designates the time to meet. We bring glory to God. People drive by, they don't think we're just having a social. They know something's going on in these buildings and what's going on is the worship of the Lord in these buildings. 
And when they see that same vehicle sitting there every time the doors are open to the church, then people are thinking that person, whoever drives that vehicle, is dedicated to God. I hope that they recognize my truck. To say, I see that, I've seen that truck for years and years and years. And that's what I'm saying. I don't care if they recognize me. I just want them to know that there's people that, that come here to this church to worship God that are dedicated to that. People notice. If you're part of the church, we preach the gospel in our lives. That's part of our testimony. Romans 1.16 It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. None of us should be ashamed of the gospel. And that's what the writer in Romans says. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone that believes. Everyone that accepts Christ as their Savior. And it's found here in this book. That's how important the church is. And the devil will do everything he can to keep the gospel from being preached. He doesn't care what's preached as long as it's not the gospel of Christ. You preach anything that's, that's in error from this book, he's not going to oppose that. Matter of fact, what he's going to do is he's going to promote it because he wants false gospels to be promoted above the true gospel that we have in the Bible. So we have to have the mind of discernment. Is what I'm being told, is what I'm being taught, is what I'm preaching, what I'm hearing, is it true? And if it's true, then I believe it. If it's not, I reject it. And that's our job as Christians in that same manner because the devil opposes the gospel. Galatians 1, Paul writes to the church at Galatia, verses 8 through 10, and mentions this. He says, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So we have to preach, we have to live out the gospel of Christ, the true gospel, not, not altered, unaltered. Not with compromises, uncompromising. Because it is the word of God and it is the word of truth. Just as it stands. Nothing else is acceptable. And we do that when we bring glory to Jesus Christ as the head of the church. Just like in the marriage, in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. That, they had put, that God had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all in all. Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of all that will accept him. And as we bring glory to him, we bring glory to the Father. This church important. You bet it's important. Because the devil doesn't want you anywhere. wants you to be influenced by the body of Christ. Because that's the head of the church. Not human organizations. Just the church. And the devil will occupy you with other things. Some are more good things. 
But whenever you're occupying yourself with good things instead of the best thing, worshiping God, then it's no longer of value. You cannot set yourself or let an organization or affiliation set yourself above the worship of God. Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Using that marriage relationship that we see here that's used throughout the scriptures about describing Christ and his relationship to the church. Just like the husband is supposed to be the head at the home. Christ is the head of the church. Period. Let's not ridicule. Let's not misrepresent the church with the way that we live our lives. Because that's what Satan will do. We see that in our society today. We see that posted in videos. We see that on sitcoms and television shows where they make fun, they take a jab, they pick a little poke, or make a little bit of a, a off-key color comment about the church, about Jesus. That's really cool. You think that's from God? You think that's acceptable to God? The, you think it's acceptable that people make fun of or ridicule Jesus, God's son, whom he gave to save the world? Just think about it yourself. Do you like it when people make fun of your own kids? No, you don't like it when they make fun of your own kids. What makes us think that people would, that God finds it acceptable to make fun of Christ? He is the Savior of the body. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, talking about coming together to church. It says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. You ever think about that verse in the times that we live in? As we see the day approaching, I mean, I think all of us agree that, that the times that we are living in are, are times that's drawing us closer to Christ returning. Wouldn't you want to be at church more <laughs> if you really believed that? If you were really convinced that, you know what, Christ is coming. Where do I want to be found? I want to be found worshiping God. I want to be found doing His work. Just like many parables that we see, parables of the talents, if you recall. One hid theirs was unacceptable. It means he wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. I want to be found with the body of believers. So unrevived means you're not in church, not in the church, the body of believers. Or you are part of the body of believers, but you're not actively part of the body of believers. That's just where the devil wants you. Somewhere between here and there, neither place committed. Something else that's a danger of being unrevived. Goes along with this. Turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Paul's writing to Timothy, giving him some advice, giving him an update. Asking him in verse 9 to come to him quickly. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, 
having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So we see that Demas, who was working with Paul, spreading the gospel, going about doing what we as Christians should be doing, decided he liked what he was before. The world kept drawing him back and it drew him away. The world drew him away. The devil cannot succeed from keeping you out of the church. He will do everything to get you back into the world since you've come to the church. And think about that. How many times have we seen that successfully undertook? Right here in this congregation, I'm not pointing any fingers at or blaming anyone in particular because I don't think it's our fault. In most cases, it's no one's fault but the individual and the devil's fault. But as we look around and we think about over the course of years, how many people have come and gone, come and made a commitment to Christ, stay here for a few weeks, a couple of months, maybe half a year, and the next thing you know, you don't see them anymore. What is drawing them back? They're not going to church someplace else. They're just not going. They're just not active. They've checked out. They've disengaged. They're back in the world. Just like Demas here that Paul writes about. Some people, church is where we go when it doesn't get in the way of something else. It's more of a social activity. And there's nothing wrong with coming here and actively engaging with our friends and fellow Christians socially, but that shouldn't be the primary reason that we come. We come to worship. I look forward to seeing all of you each Sunday, each time we get together. Catch up with you on what's went on for the past week. Never has it entered my mind, I can't wait to go up on the hill Sunday just so I can find out what so-and-so has done this week. That's always been a plus, but it's not my primary reason. And that's what we have to remember. It can be so dangerous when we look at it this way, to be back in the world. It'll do it every time, and the devil can be very effective. Hebrews 10, 26-29. This is a warning to us. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now read that verse again, 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despises Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. I don't want to be guilty of trodden underfoot the Son of God. Amen. We have people walking around that that is of no concern to them. It's something to think about, folks. How does he get you back in the, how does the devil get you back in the world once you come to Christ in the first place? Well, he weakens your faith. He puts you in contact with friends with corrupt morals. 
Many Christians have been overcome by associating with their own friends. Lust and desire of the flesh. We're bombarded by that every day. Every day. And I'm going to just, this wasn't even in my sermon. I just want you to, to, and I mentioned this, I think, maybe on a Sunday evening once, but I want you to know, if you have Facebook and you let your kids get on Facebook, do not let your kids watch the reels, those little movies that's on Facebook. I used to get on there and like to watch people farm and do stuff. But it is now nothing but filth. And when I say filth, I mean it is people flashing nudity, uh, sexual intercourse that's just blanked out. I know that's uncomfortable work to use in church, but I want to warn you. What once, and we still use Facebook to reach people for the gospel. But there is, it's undermining. You can scroll right down and watch through the reels and you'll see video after video after video after video of the same thing. Filth. Pornography. So be cautious if you're letting your kids get on Facebook. They're being exposed to that. Adults, be cautious that you don't get trapped into that as well. Okay? Just a little sidebar. I don't... He pulls you. Because we're inundated with this stuff, and it's subtle. It is subtle. Apparently that stuff doesn't break the rules of the community of Facebook somehow. It, it skirts those rules. And that's how the devil operates. He skirts everything. Where we don't put it on our radar, we just don't pay attention to it. But it's there. And it's going out. So be cautious. Be cautious. Let's be aware of those attacks of the devil. And remember what Peter wrote, 1 Peter 5, 8. You know this scripture. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary the devil is as roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. That's every day, 24-7, 365. He doesn't take a break. He's going to be walking about and trying to devour you, your spouse, your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your kids, your nieces, nephews, grandkids, anybody that fits into that category. It's all of us. And he does it subtly but with the ferocity of a roaring lion. And draw you back to the world. And once you're out of the church and drawn back to the world, there's one last thing I want us to be concerned about and to think about, and is that you can be made worthless, rendered worthless to the church. John chapter 15, verse 2, if you will, 15, 2. Jesus says here, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, if, you, if you've got grapevines or apple trees or any kind of fruit tree, you know that you have to go in and prune. You prune off the old and, and encourages a new growth and you get better, better harvest of your fruit. And that's what this is talking about here. That if you're part of the vine, and we all are part of the vine because Christ is the head of the church and we are the body, they expect, he expects, God expects fruit to be born from us. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. If you're not bearing, bearing fruit, it's just like going up to a grapevine or apple tree cutting off a branch that you know is not bearing anything and it's taking the energy, taking the nutrients away from a vine or a branch that is. And that's what Christ is saying here. You can be rendered useless. So if the devil can't succeed in keeping you out of church or getting you back into the world, he'll do everything within his power to render you useless while you're here. And we have to remember and be recall that we are part of this body. Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to, to he that hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to stand accountable. God knows what he has equipped every person, every Christian, with the talent and purpose. He knows that. And when we stand in judgment, just like I was talking about earlier with the parable of the talents, he gave some folks more money and some a little less and some a little less, but expected something back from all of them, just as he does us. He expects us to bear fruit. James wrote in chapter 2, verse 24, You see then how by that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So it's not just faith, but it's faith that produces works. And by works also God will judge us. As Christ said, the, un, uh, the, the bad vine will be pruned. Cut away, removed. And if you are producing fruit, are you going to take care of that so that you produce more fruit? So how does he do that? How does he render us useless? Well, he makes us first off, he gives us the idea that we can be spiritually ignorant, not study our Bibles, not study the Word, not pray, not follow what the Bible says. So our witness is destroyed. We may have made a confession, we may have been baptized, but we don't follow what God's word says, so is my testimony, is my witness valid? Well, you say you believe it, but you don't follow it. So that makes me a hypocrite, doesn't it? So there are some things that make me useless, renders me useless here in the church. How about if I'm just unsatisfied? I'm not satisfied with what God has blessed me with, and I become a professional grumbler. I grumble about everything. I grumble about what's going on at work. I grumble about what's going on at home. I grumble about what's going on at church. I am immersed in unsatisfaction. Does anybody want to be around somebody like that? I don't. I don't want to be around somebody like that, and I don't want to be somebody like that. But we have people that just love it. Unsatisfied with anything. Maybe, let me, let me give you this. John D. Rockefeller, guys, some of you, most everybody will understand. Younger people won't have a clue who John D. Rockefeller is, so I'll give you a clue. He was the one that started Standard Oil. And back in the early 1900s was the richest man on the planet. In other words, he was Bill Gates of the early 1900s. In an interview for the New York Times Magazine, or newspaper, they asked Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? Now, this is the richest man on the planet at the time. You know what his reply was? Just a little more. 
The richest man on the planet was not satisfied with what he had. Now, I don't think that any of us qualify for that. But how many of us qualify with that same kind of attitude? Just a little more. Just a little more will never satisfy us. If we're not satisfied with God's blessings as we have it now, we will always be dissatisfied and grumbling. So we need to remember that. We can be used, uh, made useless that way. Sometimes he encourages us to have our feelings hurt. Become angry. Get mad at the church over something that happened. Well, I'm not going back there. So-and-so said something. So you're going to let one sinner keep you away from the worship of God, the only person that can save us from our sins. There is not one person in this room that has saved a single person, myself included. But God is in this place, and he sent his son to save all. I'm not going to let the actions or words of one single person separate me from him. And I encourage you to not do that either. And obviously you're here today, but, but maybe there's people that we know that's, that's in that condition. Reach out to them. Maybe you got family or friends or old acquaintance or neighbors that had something that was said once uh, 50 years ago. And they're still clinging on to that. And they're letting that event from a human being 50 years ago separate them from worship of God. Encourage them to let it go. They don't have to come here. We're not the only one that preaches the Bible here in, in their area. Go to a Bible-believing church with a good preacher. People's going to love you wherever they are if they're Christians. doesn't matter. Or should. So he can render you useless. And these are the things that the devil wants instead of revival. Or a renewal here in the, in the church, the body. Unrevived is what he wants us. I want to encourage you to disappoint the devil. Disappoint the devil. And I say it most every year around this time. This kicks off that time of the year when we will have the most opportunity to serve God through the contacts, the holiday season coming up, the events that we get a chance to go to and take part of. We have the most opportunities coming up in the next three months that we'll have all year with contact of people. Serve. My encouragement to you is to serve. Now, are you here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior? You can't serve until you're part of the body. You have to be part of the body, and the way that you do that, I think we've established very well, is coming through Christ, who is the head. Now, if you've heard the gospel and you believe it and you're willing to repent of your sins, confess Christ as your Savior, and be buried with Him in baptism, Raise that new creation, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the remission or forgiveness of your sins, and walk new, faithful until Christ returns or we're called away. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in just a minute. And I want to encourage you to come. Now, maybe you're a Christian, and some of the stuff that we've looked at this morning has struck a note with you. That, well, maybe I need to, to, to get some things in check. I want to encourage you to do that. You don't have to come down here. But you do have to get it right with the Lord. And I encourage you to do that. 
You can do that when we stand. You can do that when we pray. You can do that when you get in your car to go home. But if you know that there's something in your relationship that's not right with God, make it right today. There's no excuse for not. And we're going to sing this hymn of invitation. Let's see, where is that? Uh, go to my last slide there, Austin. I, have a, I knew this was going to be kind of a heavy one, so I just, uh, I was trying to make it funny. That's Joe. Joe is unrevived. Don't be Joe, okay? Don't be Joe. So we're going to sing his hymn of invitation, Where He Leads Me, 358, the first and the third verse. If you have a decision to make, I want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing.